0: Welcome to Connected. As always, thank you for watching, listening, and subscribing. Today, I will be narrating Washington's vision at Valley Forge in 1777. Anthony Sherman, a veteran of Valley Forge and an officer in Washington's inner circle, relayed Washington's vision to author Charles Wesley Alexander, who published it under his pseudonym Wesley Bradshaw. I will provide a link in the descriptor so that you can read the pamphlet containing Washington's Vision, published in 1864. However, it was first published in June of 1861, shortly after the start of the Civil War. Washington's Vision may be found in writing prior to the publication of the first pamphlet. However, if this is true, The owner probably didn't want the vision to be released in Washington's hand. The document has been provided by Indiana University. However, you can find it by doing a simple search because it is in the public domain. Before I get started, I would like to share with you an excerpt from Matthew 13, 16 through 17. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So open your ears and open your eyes, for here comes Washington's Vision. Washington's Vision Washington's vision contains a highly important lesson to every true lover of his country. Quote by Edward Everett, Massachusetts orator and politician. The first union story ever written. Washington's Vision by Wesley Bradshaw. The last time that I ever saw Anthony Sherman was on July 4th, 1859 in Independence Square. He was then 99 and becoming very feeble. But though so old, his dimming eyes rekindled as he looked at Independence Hall, which he said he had come to gaze upon once more before he was gathered home. What time is it? said he raising his trembling eyes to the clock in the steeple and endeavoring to shade the former with a shaking hand. What time is it? I can't see so well now as I used to. Half past three. Come then, he continued. Let us go into the hall. I want to tell you an incident of Washington's life, one which no one alive knows except myself. And if you live... You will before long see it verified. Mark me, I am not superstitious, but you will see it verified. Reaching the visitors' room in which the sacred relics of our early days are preserved, we sat down upon one of the old fashioned wooden benches, and my venerable companion related to me the following singular narrative, which from the peculiarity of our national affairs. At the present time, I have been induced to give to the world. I give it as nearly as possible in his own words. When the bold action of our Congress in asserting the independence of the colonies became known in the old world, we were laughed and scoffed at as silly, presumptuous rebels, whom British grenadiers would very soon tame into submission but undauntedly we prepared to make good what we had said. The keen encounter came, and the world knows the result. It is easy and pleasant for those of the present generation to talk and write of the days of 76, but they little know neither can they imagine the trials and sufferings of those fearful days. And there is one thing that I much fear, and that is that the american people do not properly appreciate the boon of freedom party spirit is yearly becoming stronger and stronger and without it is checked will at no distant day undermine and tumble into ruins the noble structure of the republic but let me hasten to my narrative from the opening of the revolution we experienced all phases of fortune now good and now ill, one time victorious, and another conquered. The darkest period we had, however, was, I think, when Washington, after several reverses, retreated to Valley Forge, where he resolved to pass the winter of 77. Ah, I have often seen the tears coursing down our dead old commander's care-worn cheeks, as he would be conversing with a confidential officer about the condition of his poor soldiers. You have doubtless heard the story of Washington going to the thicket to pray. Well, it is not only true, but he used often to pray in secret for aid and comfort from that God, the interposition of whose divine providence alone brought us safely through those dark days of tribulation. One day, I remember it well. The chilly wind whistled and howled through the leafless trees. Though the sky was cloudless and the sun shining brightly, he remained in his quarters nearly the whole afternoon alone. When he came out, I noticed that his face was a shade paler than usual and that there seemed to be something upon his mind of more than ordinary importance. Returning just after dusk, he dispatched an orderly to the quarters of the officer I mentioned, who was presently in attendance. After a preliminary conversation which lasted some half an hour, Washington, gazing upon his companion with that strange look of dignity which he alone could command, said to the latter, I do not know whether it was owing to the anxiety of my mind or what. But this afternoon, as I was sitting at this very table, engaged in preparing a dispatch, something in the apartment seemed to disturb me. Looking up, I beheld standing exactly opposite to me, a singularly beautiful female. So astonished was I, for I had given strict orders not to be disturbed that it was some moments before I found language to inquire the cause of her presence. A second, third, and even fourth time did I repeat the question, but received no answer from my mysterious visitor, then a slight raising of her eyes. By this time I felt a strange sensation spreading throughout me. I would have risen, but the riveted gaze of the being before me rendered volition impossible. I essayed once more to address her, but my tongue had become powerless, even though itself presently became paralyzed. A new influence, mysterious, potent, irresistible, took possession of me. All I could do was to gaze, gaze steadily, vacantly, at my unknown visitant. Gradually the surrounding atmosphere seemed as though becoming filled with sensations and grew luminous. Everything about me appeared to rarefy, the mysterious visitor herself becoming more airy and yet even more distinct to my sight than before. I now began to feel as one dying, or rather to experience the sensations which I have sometimes imagined accompany dissolution. I did not think. I did not reason. I did not move. All were alike impossible. I was only conscious of gazing fixedly, vacantly, at my companion. Presently I heard a voice saying, Son of the Republic, look and learn. While at the same time my visitor extended her arm and forefinger eastwardly. I now beheld a heavy white vapor at some distance rising, fold upon fold. This gradually disappeared, and I looked upon a strange scene. Before me lay spread out in one vast plain all the countries of the world, Europe, Asia, Africa, And America. I saw rolling and tossing between Europe and America the billows of the Atlantic, and between Asia and America lay the Pacific. Son of the Republic, said the same mysterious voice as before, look and learn. At that moment, I beheld a dark, shadowy being, like an angel, standing or rather floating in midair between Europe and America. Dipping water out of the ocean in the hollow of each hand, he sprinkled some upon America with his right hand, while he cast upon Europe, some with his left. Immediately a dark cloud arose from each of these countries and joined in mid-ocean. For a while it remained stationary and then moved slowly westward until it enveloped America in its murky folds. Sharp flashes of lightning now gleamed throughout it at intervals, and I heard the smothered groans and cries of the American people. A second time the angel dipped water from the ocean and sprinkled it out as before. The dark cloud was then drawn back to the ocean, into whose heaving waves it sunk from view. A third time, I heard the mysterious voice saying, Son of the Republic, look and learn. I cast my eyes upon America and beheld villages, towns, and cities springing up, one after another, until the whole land, from the Atlantic to the Pacific, was dotted with them. Again, I heard the mysterious voice say, Son of the Republic, The end of a century cometh. Look and learn. At this, the dark, shadowy angel turned his face southward, and from Africa I saw an ill-omened specter approaching our land. It flitted slowly and heavily over every village, town, and city of the latter, the inhabitants of which presently set themselves in battle array, one against the other. As I continued looking, I saw a bright angel, on whose brow rested a crown of light, on which was traced the word Union, bearing the American flag, which he placed between the divided nation, and said, Remember, ye are brethren. Instantly the inhabitants, casting from them their weapons, became friends once more and united around the national standard. And again I heard the mysterious voice saying, Son of the Republic, the second peril is past. Look and learn. And I beheld the villages, towns, and cities of America increase in size and number until at last they covered all the land from the Atlantic to the Pacific and their inhabitants became as countless as the stars in heaven or the sand on the seashore. And again I heard the mysterious voice saying, Son of the Republic, the end of a century cometh. Look and learn. At this, the dark shadowy angel placed a trumpet to his mouth and blew three distinct blasts and taking water from the ocean, sprinkled it out upon Europe, Asia, and Africa. Then my eyes looked upon a fearful scene. From each of these countries arose thick black clouds that were soon joined into one, and throughout this mass gleamed a dark red light by which I saw hordes of armed men who, moving with the cloud, marched by land, and sailed by sea, to America, which country was presently enveloped in the volume of the cloud, and I dimly saw these vast armies devastate the whole country and pillage and burn the villages, towns, and cities that I had beheld springing up. As my ears listened to the thundering cannon, clashing of swords and shouts and cries of the millions in mortal combat, I again heard the mysterious voice saying, Son of the Republic, look and learn. When the voice had ceased, the dark, shadowy angel placed his trumpet once more to his mouth and blew a long, fearful blast. Instantly a light, as of a thousand suns, shone down from above me. And pierced and broke into fragments the dark cloud which enveloped America. At the same moment, I heard the angel, upon whose forehead still shone the word Union, and who bore our national flag in one hand and a sword in the other, descend from heaven, attended by legions of bright spirits. These immediately joined the inhabitants of America, who I perceived were well nigh overcome, but who immediately, taking courage again, closed up their broken ranks and renewed the battle. Again, amid the fearful noise of the conflict, I heard the mysterious voice saying, Son of the Republic, look and learn. As the voice ceased, the shadowy angel for the last time dipped water from the ocean and sprinkled it upon America. Instantly the dark cloud rolled back, together with the armies it had brought, leaving the inhabitants of the land victorious. Then, once more, I beheld villages, towns, and cities springing up where they had been before, while the bright angel planting the azure standard he had brought in the midst of them cried in a loud voice to the inhabitants, While the stars remain and the heavens send down dew upon the earth, so long shall the republic last. And taking from his brow the crown on which still blazed the word Union, he placed it upon the standard, while the people kneeling down said, Amen. The scene instantly began to fade and dissolve and I at last saw nothing but the rising, curling white vapor I had first beheld. This also disappearing, I found myself once more gazing upon my mysterious visitor, who in that same mysterious voice I had heard before said, Son of the Republic, what you have seen is thus interpreted. Three perils will come upon the Republic. The most fearful is the second, passing which the whole world united shall never be able to prevail against her. Let every child of the Republic learn to live for his God, his land, and union. With these words the figure vanished. I started from my seat and felt that I had seen a vision wherein had been shown to me the birth progress, and destiny of the Republic of the United States. In union, she will have strength. In disunion, her destruction. Such, my friend, concluded the venerable narrator, were the words I heard from Washington's own lips, and America will do well to profit by them. Let her forever remember that in union, she has her strength. In disunion, her destruction. Hey everyone, Liz Lovegood here. I wanted to thank you personally for listening to this podcast. If you could take a few moments to subscribe and rate this podcast, it would be extremely helpful in helping this podcast grow. Also, if you could share this with others, it would be very helpful as well. If you would like more information about the topics presented or if you would like to reach out, check us out at Lovegoodholistic.com where I will be posting the videos of the podcast that you're listening to. My email information and contact information is up there as well. So again, that's lovegoodholistic.com. And if you really want to support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes, You can go to the link in the descriptor below, which is anchor.fm slash connected5d slash support. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy. It is clear that George Washington's visions are of the American Revolution, the Civil War, and our present time. And the vision was clear. We will overcome. Before I conclude, I would like to reference a couple of points in Washington's vision. When Washington had first seen the vision of a beautiful female standing opposite to him, he said, By this time, I felt a strange sensation spreading throughout me. I would have risen, but the riveted gaze of the being before me rendered volition impossible. I essayed once more to address her but my tongue had become powerless, even though itself presently became paralyzed. As this would only be clear to someone who has experienced the same feeling, but the strange sensation that Washington was feeling spreading throughout his body in the moment that he laid eyes upon the singularly beautiful female in front of him was the feeling of the Holy Spirit. When in the presence of a divine being, or even sometimes in the presence of some other type of divine entity, you may be overcome by a feeling some refer to as the psychic chills, but it's in essence the Holy Spirit that's overcoming you. It's a feeling of love, a feeling of joy, and a knowing. It's a feeling of knowing that what is happening is real and true. And when Washington went to address her, but could not move, and felt as though his tongue was paralyzed, many in his same case have experienced these same sensations of not being able to speak, not being able to move in the presence of this divine being. This was important for Washington was to pay attention to the scenes that were to unfold in front of his very eyes. In each of these three visions, America beat back the evil dark clouds that were coming for her. It was in the second vision that Washington saw Abraham Lincoln. I saw a bright angel on whose brow rested a crown of light, on which was traced the word Union, bearing the American flag, which he placed between the divided nation and said, Remember, ye are brethren. And united around the national standard. This was the most important battle of all, because it united us as a country as one. And we shall never forget that, for we are truly one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So when the evil came for America the third and final time, in our very age today, we, united, were ready for the battle. Although the attack from the other nations came while our country, according to Washington's vision, was presently enveloped in the volume of the cloud, he simply meant that the cloud had already infiltrated America. Secretly it lie in waiting until the right moment when it brought its forces from the other countries. And then when the shadowy angel placed his trumpet once more to his mouth to blow a long fearful blast. I'm sure a call to execute his plan to conquer America. It was the last and final blow, a blow meant to fully take us down. However. According to Washington's vision, that was when, instantly a light as of a thousand suns shone down from above me, and pierced and broke into the fragments of the dark cloud which enveloped America. At the same moment I saw the angel upon whose forehead still shone the word Union, and who bore our national flag in one hand, and a sword in the other. Descend from heaven, attended by legions of bright spirits. These immediately joined the inhabitants of America, who I perceived were well nigh overcome, but who immediately, taking courage again, closed up their broken ranks and renewed the battle. I cover what I'm going to say next in more depth in a previous video of mine entitled 5D Earth and New Heaven, Trump Prophecy, Galactic Federation of Light, Christian Prophets. If this interests you, you should definitely watch that video to learn more about how the Trump prophecies play into Washington's vision. However, what Washington did see here in his vision is the rider on the white horse. In Revelation 1911-21. I will read to you a little bit of this and explain to you the connection with what's happening today. The Rider on the White Horse I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. However, I'd like to inject here, it sounds like, according to Washington's vision, the name written on the rider of the white horse is Union. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen white and clean this angel in washington's vision and the rider on the white horse both descend from heaven this is to show that this rider on the white horse or the angel in washington's vision is of god is coming from god is being used by god and that is president trump In Revelation he descends with the armies of heaven, and in Washington's vision he is attended by legions of bright spirits. And this light that shone from them? According to Washington's vision, a light as of a thousand suns shone down from above me and pierced and broke into fragments the dark cloud which enveloped America. That light from the armies of God, from the angels, is the light of the lightworkers, here on the planet, battling the dark clouds of evil, bringing to light the darkness on this planet and finally alchemizing it, so that darkness will reign no more and peace will truly come to the Republic. It is no coincidence that in Washington's vision, They are referred to as legions of bright spirits. For it is the Christ's light that they shine. It is the Christ's light that is in all of us that shines. And if we all stand together and shine our light, there will be darkness no more. And Washington saw just like he saw Abraham Lincoln before him in his second vision. He saw the bright angel planting the azure standard he had brought in the midst of them. And this bright angel of vision number three is President Trump, who says in a loud voice to the inhabitants of America, while the stars remain and the heavens send down dew upon the earth, so long shall the republic last. And taking from his brow the crown on which still blazed the word union, he placed it upon the standard while the people kneeling down said, Amen. In this vision, Washington saw President Trump taking his crown off, a crown that says the word Union, and places it upon the standard or the flag, while the people kneeling down say, Amen. It is clear in this vision that Trump has given the people of America the crown this crown of unity, this crown of freedom, and giving us our power back as citizens under the Constitution of the United States of America. For what he does, he does for us, he does for this country, and he does for God. And always remember what he said, in union she will have strength, In disunion, her destruction. So go forth and love one another. Do what's right. Live out of your hearts and let freedom ring. For we will overcome. Love and Light. Thanks for watching and listening. Liz Lovegood.